You are now listening to Fixed Ops Chops, a podcast designed by top industry experts to provide you the cutting-edge information you need for a lucrative fixed operations department. Stay up to date on the hottest profit-strengthening products, services, and technologies. And now your host, CEO of Traction, automotive industry leader, and fixed operations expert, Dave Boyle. All right, welcome back to Fix Ops Chops from the floor of the NADA convention here in my hometown of Dallas, Texas. Uh, I'm your host, Dave Blow with Traction, and we're doing a rapid fire session here. We're doing a bunch of interviews here over the three days at, uh, at uh, the NADA show. If you're, in, uh, if you're in Dallas, you're here at the show, and you want to sit down and chat, come on by. We'll get you scheduled in. Uh, this next guy that I'm going to talk to needs no introduction. He's a friend of mine. Um, he needs no introduction because you don't know what this guy, who this guy is by now. This guy's everywhere. This guy is everywhere. You can't open up LinkedIn. You can't open up uh, any of the social media sites. And he is everywhere. He is the esteemed fixed operations director, manager, guru of everything at the Neo Company. How many stores you guys got now? So we have nine stores making our 10th store. Been in business for 101 years. So it's really incredible. We have the oldest Porsche dealer and the oldest Audi dealer owned by the same company, by the same dealer. It's really incredible. And his two things are going to be good in this interview. One, I'm going to get to give my voice a rest because Kelly's going to do most of the talking. And two, we may not need the microphone. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. But this guy here, you are literally becoming a rock star oh my God. in our business thanks to the Fixed Ops Roundtable and a bunch of the things that help people get to know who you are. Um, and uh, I want to kind of let... Everybody out here, listen, everybody knows who you are, man. You know what you accomplished. Everybody knows you're all about the hours. Uh, but I want to kind of see a different side of you. Sure. So I'm together a couple questions here. Absolutely. Uh, and the first one I think is going to be kind of interesting. So you've been in this business how long? I uh, started in high school. So I graduated from high school in 82. I uh, was working in, in an auto, uh, independent for my last two years of high school. And, you know, and, Same here. And the only interesting thing is I uh, joined, I got into the ASAP program, which was a GM-sponsored program back in 83 when I got out, and you got a uh, AA degree, yep. and uh, and then you had a dealer sponsor. Yep. The Julio Pontiac, not in business anymore, of course. There you go. DeLorean. <laughs> wow. Wow is right. I mean, wow. So, uh, you know, I learned, uh, I, learned uh, I think I learned the automotive in the good years when, uh, you know, electronic, you know, and all the electronic stuff started coming out. But that was, that's how I got started in the dealership world. I uh, was through the ASIP program and an independent in high school. But, in my, you know, this is my only job yeah. is the automotive. Same here, man. I mean, it's, I was, somebody asked me the other day what my first job was. I had to think about it for a bit. My first job was working at a Canadian Tire my first real job working at a Canadian tire store. How perfect is that? Right? And I've come full circle back. I'm now back in the tire business. That is so cool. Up in Canada, I was a, I was a service writer and then a service manager at a yeah. Canadian tire store. So, so listen, so all those years back working for that independent, you get an opportunity to sit down and talk to that Tully today and give him a piece of advice. What are you going to tell him? Um, I think that that's a great question. You know, I think that, you know, I, I was a technician. And I think when you look at a technician then, I was, you know, you start off, you're sweeping floors, and he let me try things. But I think the biggest thing is, is that when you're a beginning technician is to have a pathway. And I didn't have a path. And I don't know if there were paths back in the 80s. But I think that what we've learned in the past, and our good friend Ed Roberts is probably the master of this, is that technicians have a pathway to succeed on how they can make more money for them and their families and grow if they want to grow, right? Do you want to grow to be a service writer? Do you want to grow to be a manager one day, right? Do you want to grow to be a team leader or a foreman or whatever? And, you know, when I started off, it was like, you know, showed up for work.
work and I sent home at the end of the day. And, right. and I think that today, when I look at new technicians, is I make sure that all of our service managers and general managers are having that talk about a pathway on what you really want to do. So speaking of that pathway, you know, I, I was having this conversation with someone a couple of weeks ago. You know, I've got two stepkids that have just just finished graduated college, and I think like most parents in my generation, our generation, we want our kids to go to college, right? Yep. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that way when you and I were growing up, by the yep. way, as you know. But we want our kids to go to college, and that's the path that a lot of young people are choosing. Which means there's not enough people going into these asset programs and things like Unit. So how do we fix that? Great. Otherwise, we're gonna huge technician shortage. So here, so let me just say, I, I don't want to go down this deep rabbit hole, but I love that question because we talk about it at our dealership a lot. Think about the automotive industry. What does that do? I have an example of people that have that spent a tremendous amount of money on education. Me. Then my, and then they get a master's degree. There are engineers that work on very important things. They're lucky to make 100 grand a year. And they're very happy with that. And God bless them for it. But I think that when you look at the automotive industry, is that where can you work at with no education, thrive to do good, thrive to make customers happy and be a good person, and you can make two, three hundred thousand. Last year, service riders, if they made a hundred grand a year, they'd have, they'd have left, right? Technician, three hundred, he's a top dog, three hundred and sixty thousand dollars. I need to go to the high schools, I want to go to the junior colleges and say, do you want to make three hundred thousand a year? Just do your job. Do it well, right? Learn from foremans and stuff. That's the key issue. The money is so incredible. Now, when it comes back to education, I know I'm going on a rant. You're good. But when you when you talk about technicians, is that part of it is also spelling, reading, writing. It's always a struggle for me, right? If you get an email from me, I'm sure I spelled something wrong. You know, I apologize right up front. But I think that when you look at service writers and technicians, is that that junior college piece or whatever they like to call it today, community college, I think is actually good on the side because we want they need to learn to read. Hopefully, did that in, you know elementary school, but also how to write sentences. How do you get? How does a good writer get paid? How does a good technician get paid? Right, with the power of the pen or power of typing. Right. And I think that having some of that small education, I don't think you need a four-year industry. Service riders, technicians, look at the car side. Our controller started as a cashier, and now she's a controller of the Nilo company. Right. Is that is that a great story? Well, there's certainly those growth opportunities. And in your store sort of a shining example of that. But I think that what you said earlier, I think, is that message needs to get out loud and clear. Is that from a technician perspective, there is big money to be made, right? Big. And it's not, and, and it's the same in a lot of fields. I mean, plumbers, welders, electricians, these guys are making the big, big money nowadays. We got to find the, re the, the recruiting pool, right? Because at the end of the day, if you got a kid that's gone to a four-year college, he's not going to, he's not going to make that hard left turn, right? He's going to go take that. $80,000 a year job at Google and think he's doing well, right? Correct. And then um, get laid off. There is, and I've been saying this forever, I want to get your opinion on this, there is, a, there is a talent pool out there that we don't tap into, and that is, you know, for every car dealership, there's about 17 independents. 
there's guys working in those independents that are making minimum wage, that don't have PTO, that don't have fancy lunchrooms, that don't have clothing allowances, that don't have, don't have, don't have benefits, all that kind of stuff. Yep. These are the guys that I think we need to try to attract because we can offer them a much better career path and a better job. If you went into these guys that are working at a discount tire or pick up pick up places, you're, say, you're hey, spot on to that. So we, um, you know, we market, you know, as as all, everybody does, we're marketing for technicians constantly. But your goal is that when you're marketing for technicians constantly, why are you marketing for technicians constantly? Are you losing people? Shame on you. You're hiring wrong or they're leaving because they feel they have no career path. So we have done we have done a great job on mentoring. So we want to go to schools. We want to go to a, a, a kid that's been a porter, being then he comes an hourly technician. I show him the path to $55 an hour. It's it's in writing. This is what you need to do. Right. Just don't piss us off. Don't screw right. up cars, and you're going to be a winner chicken dinner. Right. So the issue is now, how do we tell this independence? And we have to make sure we're targeting those people. So social media is a great way. Right. Because, you know, honestly, I don't know how to touch these people. We, just, to this point, we're hiring, a, it might be next week, a Land Rover technician, an independent. He's working on the stuff that breaks when he touches right. it. And he's coming to a dealer, and he is so excited. I think we're more excited than he is, but can you imagine we're getting a guy that can work all the old stuff, doesn't have all the bad habits. Well, that car's only four years old. Sorry, only a couple years old, right? I mean, the whole we got thing, the edit. Yeah. So the whole thing about it is that we're seeing some of the, now, to your point, is spot on, because I feel that those guys that the lead tech or something in a, in a tire shop, which is our true competition, as you we both agree on that, is that how do we get to that person to say, you have a great pathway at a dealership and a pathway to $55, where their pathway is minimum wage plus plus. In California, it's 31 bucks. But when I can, when you can make $55 and you're 120% efficient, that's just, that's just money in the bank. Absolutely. So I'm gonna give you a hot tip, and I'm not gonna charge. <laughs> this literally, this came to me this last weekend. You know, yeah. I, you know, I'm a car guy, right? I got yep. a passion for a car. I got an old Corvette that I restored and whatnot. You're working on a truck, I think. Next. Working on a truck, yeah, for my wife. I'm working on a 1951 Ford. That's F3. pretty. I saw I saw the pictures on yeah, social, and it's, it's, it's pretty cool exciting. Done. But uh, anyway, I was last weekend. I forget what I needed. I needed something. I needed a tool that I didn't have. Which my wife heard this. She was saying that can't be possible because I've got every tool on demand. But I, I, I literally needed a tool at the last minute, and I went to Harbor Freight, Harbor Freight Tool Company. Yep. On a Saturday morning to pick up a tool, and I'm walking around. And the store was packed full of guys, and they all had names on their shirts, and they didn't work for car dealerships. So it sounds like I need to put a booth out front. <laughs> you need to go there on a Saturday morning and drop off business cards. Correct. You need to do because these are this is one these guys these guys don't buy their tools from a Snap-on truck. Correct. Okay. I, we have to figure out. Where I these love guys, that idea. We have to figure out where these guys hang out. We got to go to where they are right. to try to attract. Them. Okay. I want to shift gears. Yep. I just want to say last thing on technicians. I think yep. that. When you're looking at your store, you want to grow within. Yes, we want to bring out outside people in, but you know, to the point is, as we're growing, as you know, most dealerships are grow in the fixed stops too small. Work on retention, 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 and then everybody says we have problem with technicians. I have some stores I don't need technicians for. I can't believe I'm saying it out loud. I really only have two or three stores that we might take an hourly or the superstar walks in the door. Right. Because we're treating them right, they're making gods of money, they're not they're not doing anything wrong, we're making customers happy. Retention. Then your technician problem is yeah. gone. Right. Retention's a big part of it. 100%. Okay, so 
I know that you're not going to be passionate about this one. Oh, good. I'm going to move away. Is it, is, is it effective so labor rate? No, listen, I've been asking. <laughs> no, it's not. But I've been asking this question of everybody that I've talked to yep. so far at the show. And about eight years ago, I wrote a piece. It was in, I think it was in Fix Ops magazine. And it basically talked about the premise of this article was back to front, front to back. And it was flipping the industry. And it was my vision that I, this was like eight years ago, of the future of the dealership where what was out at the street corner or street side of the business was actually the service department. Yep. And the back of it was sales. Correct. And I 100% agree with you on that. Well, and, and what I mean by this, listen, we've always had two classes in this industry. Correct. We refer to the service department as out back. I mean, how more condescending can you get, right? <laughs> but it, there's always been two different classes. And that a lot of it is perpetuated by dealers and GMs that grew up on the car side and whatnot. You and I, because I think we see this business the same way, we know what's coming with EVs, different sales distribution models. Dealers are going to need not just good fixed operations departments, world-class fixed operations departments. 100% agree with you. How do we change this mindset? How do we get, like, you're a bit of a different story because you got a G, you got a, you got an ownership group that gets it, but if the if the average GM is listening to this, how do we get that guy? What do we need to tell him to say, hey, listen, you know what? The sales department should be out back. Your service department is what should be steering this ship, and they need to put the front. 100% agree. Okay. I knew first, <laughs> so first thing that happens on that is that, do you believe you're in the repeat referral business? I don't believe sales department believes the repeat referral business. Now, I because I share an office with our variable director, I mean, share an office. So I over talk, you know, I'm a little bit louder than him, unfortunately, right? So <laughs> really? I went a lot, yeah, I can't I'm believe it. I am shocked to hear that too. But the, but the point of that is, is that when we have big things together, we're always doing it together. Right. To your point is that what I'm trying to talk about is that when we have sales training, I always go in and interrupt. And the first thing I ask him is what business we're in. Right. We sell four things at a car dealership. That's it. We're in the repeat referral business and we sell four things. The four things are hours, parts, and oh yeah, we sell cars and we sell F&I products. But the point of it is, is that if we believe that we're in the repeat referral business, then we must believe that the service department is what's going to guarantee that we're in that business. Because here's the deal, do you want to, do you want to ruin a dealership, have horrible CSI in the, in the back end, and you won't sell that many cars in the long term. Short term you might win, but long term you will lose because you'll get a horrible reputation. And I think, I think that the issue is going to be is that I can tell salespeople that I can make them more money by remembering that you want to drive people in the service department. We then must believe that we're in the repeat referral business, every customer, not, the, not just the fun ones. And then we drive their friends and family back into the dealership. And guess what happens when they go back in the service drive? Is they tell their friends and family to do what? Buy their next car from us. And I think that that is the premise of the whole thing, is that we must be tied to that. And I'm, you know, and that really ties to F&I, right? So F&I and the service department should love each other. And if they don't... I was just having this conversation with somebody. And, 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 and that's, how, that's how Dennis and I really worked well together, because right. we both realize, and we, 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 we edge each other all the time. It's, it's for fun, but if you have a great sale, a great sale F&I department that's selling products that we sell our family members. So when I have a family member that buys a car, what do I tell them to buy? If you want a payment forever, buy maintenance and an extended warranty. If you lose your keys at least once a year, if you don't buy the key, you're in that, you're crazy. Yeah. And if you like your car to look polished, you can buy the mop and glow stuff, but whatever. But the whole point of it is, is that if we buy 
service contracts, we increase our customer satisfaction, which means customer supplies income, our CSI scores, and we drive better retention in the service drive. And guess what happens when we drive better retention in the service drive? I'm going full circle. You have the best used car ever when they trade it in. Customer supply income, I love that statement. You know, obviously you know what we do, you're a customer of ours, and, and there's some really sound data out there now that has made it absolutely undeniable that there's a link between the tire sale and defection, correct, and conversely, dealers selling tires and keeping them in the fold well beyond the warranty period and giving them an opportunity to sell that next car. I know you believe in it. Tell us, tell us your philosophy on tires. So tires is hard because, you know, the hardest part with tires is that you get a service rider and he doesn't, you know, we have millionaire service rider. I mean, they sold a million dollars in gross. I had 21 of them last year. So proud. Cheating from the tops, right, for doing that. But what happens when you sell four tires? We have luxury brands. Okay, there's like $4,000 of nothing. I made 14 cents. But if we talk about, if we did not sell that tire, we are probably not going to see that customer for what? Diagnose my check engine light, and then I'm going to take it somewhere else. And then when it doesn't fix it, they're going to come back and yell at you. But if I sell the tire, and here's the deal. I don't want to make money on tires. I just want to break even. I just want to break even. I'll give you whatever you want. Now, parts department wants to make a little bit. I get it. It needs to be a flat fee or so small, right? Right. We're going to do an alignment at a discount rate, or even free. But now if we keep them in the store, of, oh, we're going to increase our repeat and referral business, and then we have the opportunity to have great customer service and sell repair work, which is what we make money on. We don't make money on maintenance. We don't make money on, on competitive work. We make money on repair. And who works on it? Remember, when you go to an independent, what do you do? The person is practicing on your car. Practicing. But at the dealer, we're trained professionals. We're the only ones that can say that. So tires are so important. So I'm gonna give a plug for my good friend. When we look at our tire sales, we sell as a group about 35%, 38%. I'm pretty proud of that number. That's great. But it's not good enough. I wanna sell 75. Is that a big number? Big number. But when we look at two scenarios, we have two scenarios where we have a dealer tire rep in our BMW stores, and we have your product in our other store. And when we look at those two stores together, I would believe the human in the driveway would sell better. And that is not always the case. We have sold up to 54% red tires. I track red tires. I don't even care about yellows. I, you, know, I, you, know, you want that number, whatever, I don't even care about that number. If you go on the website and see it. But the red tires is 54%, and that's driving over a, a machine, texting the customer. Service writer's not involved yet. The customer looks at it, we have a price, and we can talk about it. And then when we send the quote, we're going to have a video of our inspection, which includes stabbing the tires. Yep. The technician says you need tires. We're going to have pictures, and we send a quote 99% of the time, and the customer gets the tires. And they've already got the text that says, the machine said you if need I tires. Could, if I could afford you, I'd hire you. Mike. I mean, I what, more, what more can you ask for, right? So that's the key issue, is that you must believe in repeat referral, and if you do, tires are important. I just, you know, it, it just, my wish is that more people got got what's going on with tires uh, the way that you do. Hey, listen, as we wrap this up, I've yep. been doing this with everybody, and I want to do this because it's been kind of fun. Yep. I'm a big fan of the late, great James Lipton. I don't know if you've heard that is, but he used to have the inside.
inside the actor studio. Oh, I love that guy. Was it a great thing? It was a great show. He always asked five questions at the end of he every did. interview. He did. And I've got my five. Oh, I'm excited. I Are can't you wait. Ready? Okay. <laughs> what was your first car you ever owned? Uh, 65 Impala. It was a hand-me-down car. V8 or a six-owner? It was a V8, automatic, and I was so excited that a car. I was, I mean, you know, it was, it was, it was yellow. It was my grandmother's. They bought it off the showroom floor. Wow. And when I turned 16, they gave it to me. Wow. It was great. Yeah. What do you drive these days? I'm very blessed that I get a demo. Uh, so uh, I am driving a uh, BMW 540, and I love the car. Uh, yeah, they're neat. Pick a career other than the one that you're in. What would it be? Uh, so not not automotive related. Not, well, it could be, but not what you're doing. I, 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 uh, would you go sell cars if you could? God no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wouldn't sell cars. <laughs> I, I think that if I did anything, um, it, it, it's hard because um, can you I, know, can I, 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 love, you? I love training people. Can I, I, I do it for free. Yeah, please do. Politician. Oh God no. <laughs> A I would teacher. Not, I would. I, I would love to be a teacher. You Asset know, teacher. I, I think. I think that you know. I the fun. The best part of it is is being a mentor to somebody, right? Talking to our service advisors and service managers and technicians. They've made more money than they ever have. Why? Because we follow the process of doing the inspection, recommend things that we recommend our family members. Not bullshit, right? I, I'm not going to even go down that because I don't want anybody mad at me, right? I I have a video. The technician gets paid. The video. Don't screw the tech over. He's the one making you all the money, right? Sending that picture and video to the customer. I'm not even asking you to ask for the sale. Yeah. And what happens is that honesty and integrity comes out. Yeah. And the customer then really says, okay, I know I need it. Now it's about money or if it's about time. Right, and uh, we have we have options for those. You'd be a good teacher. <laughs> I would love, uh, and would I, I love teacher. seeing people like all of a sudden this guy made fourteen dollars, fifteen dollars an hour. He's a technician making three hundred thousand. Life changing. Give me one name that you most admire in our industry. Uh, Les Silver. There you go. He he. My mentor. I know he is, uh, and, and uh, we we talked about it before the show. Yeah. Is that when you look at what Les did for the technician? and for the customer and for the store. Yeah. The electronic inspection was the best thing ever invented. Now, people have made it where there's pictures and video and blah, 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 blah. But it started with the electronic premise, and I think he has made the biggest impact to uh, the automotive world. He had a vision, there's no doubt. I was fortunate to be there from the beginning. I know. The story is incredible for you, bro. I love it. So I feel, that was so awesome. Yeah. All right, last question. Yep. What's your favorite thing about this car business? God, I'm a, I'm, I work. I love to work. I love Mondays. Why? I can't even sleep Sunday because I'm excited to get to work and track everybody. I, just, I love it, right? I work Saturdays. I work Sundays. My wife hates me for it, right? But the whole thing of it is that um, it's hard for me not to work. So I think that I am trying to work on trying to, if I could turn my brain off and, and do something. So Big Sur is a place there's no cell service. There you go, man. And then I can actually sleep in. There. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Honestly, you, my friend. God, it's been a great. This was fun. I loved Thank it. You. Appreciate it very much. Thanks for stopping by. The great Tully Williams, Thank everybody. Thanks Thank for stopping by. Fixed Off Shops. We'll be back in about an hour with another one, so stay tuned. 
Thank you for listening to Fix Ops Chops with Dave Boyle. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to visit our website at www.traction.com. That's traction with an X. To join the conversation and discover our Fix Ops bonus content.